For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Too Stupid to Live, or TSTL, a podcast that reviews cheap romance novels. I'm Becky Feldman, and I am recording this in a different location, so there is a chance that you may hear the tip-tapping of a tiny little dog in the background. And to those few listeners out there, which is pretty much my mom and my aunt, sorry it's been a while since I last recorded an episode. I think I bit off more than I was able to chew this month in terms of work, maybe, Anyway, it was just Women's History Month, and I had wanted to read a historical romance, and I chose the book that took me the entirety of Women's History Month to read. Because I book I, the book I chose was, I don't want to call it a real novel, but maybe I do want to call it a real novel. I don't like ranking culture. People shouldn't feel bad for liking things low culture or feel stressed to like things high culture. There are so many other things to feel bad and stressed about, like the world coming to an end or finding the right waterproof mascara for when you cry about the world coming to an end. I guess my point is, is that today's novel is much more than your everyday historical romance. Sometimes in other historical romances, it kind of feels like the only thing that's historical about it is that like the characters wear petticoats, but I would actually classify what I read was historical fiction that just happens to have some of the steamiest romance scenes that I've ever read. Today's book is Indigo by Beverly Jenkins. So if you don't know, Beverly Jenkins is probably one of the most popular romance authors out there. She writes African-American historical romance fiction. Many of her books explore 19th century African-American life. She's published over 30 books, she's widely renowned, and she was recently nominated for an NAACP Image Award in 2013. Um, Jenkins was one of the authors featured in a 2015 documentary about the romance novel industry called Love Between the Covers, and I remember her saying that she likes stories about women who had their shit together, and I was like, I should see what that looks like. 
So maybe for today's episode, I'll call the series Too Smart to Die as opposed to Too Stupid to Live. And I chose to read Indigo because it's one of her most popular books. I had intended to read one of her later books, but like all the reviews were basically like, while all of her books are great, nothing compares to Indigo. Uh, It was originally published in 1996, and the Kindle edition is $4.61. Now, in terms of covering the cover, there isn't a shirtless man or a beautiful woman. It's basically a nice design of indigo leaves. And I'm going to say, you know what? That's okay. This book is sexy enough that it doesn't need a shirtless man. The scenes themselves suffice. Now, here is the book's synopsis. As a child, Hester Wyatt escaped slavery, but now the dark-skinned beauty is a dedicated member of Michigan's Underground Railroad, offering other runaways a chance at the freedom she has learned to love. When one of her fellow conductors brings her an injured man to hide, Hester doesn't hesitate, even after she's told about the price on his head. The man in question is the great conductor known as the Black Daniel, a vital member of the North's Underground Railroad network. But Hester finds him so rude and arrogant, she begins to question her vow to hide him. When the injured and beaten Galen Vachon, a.k.a. the Black Daniel, awakens in Hester's cellar, he is unprepared for the feisty young conductor providing his care. As a member of one of the wealthiest free black families in New Orleans, Galen has turned his back on the lavish living he is accustomed to in order to provide freedom to those enslaved in the South. However, as he heals, he cannot turn his back on Hester Wyatt. Her innocence fills him like a breath of fresh air, and he is determined to make this gorgeous and intelligent woman his own. Yet, there are traitors to be discovered, slave catchers to be evaded, and Hester's heart to be won before she and Galen can find the freedom that only true love can bring. So in her author's note, Jenkins writes that she came up with the idea when she was reading a a compilation of true accounts from former slaves, and she found an excerpt about a free man who fell in love with a woman who was a slave. And he loved her so much that he wanted to marry her, and he asked her master if he could become a slave just to be with her. And Jenkins was like, well, I'm not going to write about that. But she did wonder, well, what if these two had a child who was able to escape slavery? And that is how her idea for Indigo started. Now on to the sexy excerpt. I had so much trouble choosing just one, but I decided to go with one of the first moments where we see that Hester and Galen are like totally attracted to each other. Um, Guys, it's your classic sexy bandaging the wounds scene, which to me I find incredibly titillating. Okay, here we go. She sat on the edge of the cot while he undid his shirt. When his chest was exposed, she tamped down the tingling he seemed to inspire and began a slow repeat of this morning's application of the salve. The heat rising from his chest seemed to be even more distracting than it had been earlier. While she worked, she couldn't help but peek up at his flat brown nipples, then ordered herself to pay attention to what she was supposed to be doing. With his eyes closed, Galen can feel her warm fingers slowly working him into a lazy state of arousal. It had been quite some time since he'd felt the soft caress of a woman's touch. 
He usually remained celibate while on the road. However, her indigo hands reminded him just how long it had been. Rather than embarrass her with the soon-to-be evident proof of his growing desire, Galen placed his hand over hers to stay it. Hester looked up in surprise. Her hand caught beneath his own felt as if it were on fire. Have I hurt you? He chuckled and slowly opened his eyes. No, Indigo, you haven't hurt me. I just think I've had enough salve for today. Galen calls Hester Indigo because, as a girl, uh, Hester was enslaved at an Indigo plantation where younger girls would stomp on indigo plants, kind of like how people would stomp on grapes to make wine. And once the girls got older, they would be assigned to dye cloth with their hands immersed every day in these vats of indigo. So their hands and feet were permanently dyed blue. In a flashback, we see when Hester gets this idea ingrained in her mind that even though she is free, she'll always be marked as a slave because of her hands. But when she meets Galen, not only does he make her believe she can have this epic romance, she also believes that no mark takes away her freedom, nor can it prevent her from being a beautiful woman. Jenkins includes a lot of interesting facts about this time in history to not only just paint the world of the book, but you also see how it manifests into Hester's daily life. Um, Hester is part of a vigilance committee that shelters escapees and helps them start their lives anew. And uh, this vigilance committee was modeled after the New York Vigilance Committee that was founded by an activist named David Ruggles, who helped 600 600 slaves escape, including Frederick Douglass. Hester also shops at free produce stores, which were stores that uh, would only sell products made by free labor. And this actually started as a Quaker movement. And I think the book also provides the reader with a look at at how the Fugitive Slave Act was more than just a law that took away people's freedom. It had very tragic consequences when it came to people's personal lives. Um, It put people in these desperate, tragic situations where they were either betrayed by or were forced to betray the people in their lives, including their families. And I think the reader will also be enthralled by Hester's character. She's awesome. What I loved about her is that while she is innocent when it comes to romantic love and has yet to learn her sensual side, she's also like this rugged and ardent leader when it comes to helping people flee north. And I felt like this was one of the first times I read a romance with a character who felt just so well-rounded. She's dedicated to being being a conductor, and this was something she very much said that she's not going to stop doing once she begins a romance with Galen. And on top of this, under the sheets, she learns about her own desires, learning that she likes sex and that it's more than just means to an end. You really get a sense that this character is definitely created from like a genuine female perspective because it just it feels free of any outside influence regarding the pressure women feel to please men physically and ideologically. I feel like in some other books, like a female protagonist does compromise the person she is at the beginning in order to have a happily ever after at the end of the book. For example, in like contemporary romantic suspense, if she's like a secret agent at the end of the book, she decides to like take a desk job or cut down on her workload so she can be at home with like her secret agent husband. In a supernatural book, if she's a human, at the end, she becomes a vampire to be at home with her vampire husband. 
And after all, God forbid she age and have her vampire husband no longer be attracted to her because she would be a disgusting old woman who turned the disgusting age of 30. And yes, these characters in these other books are making a choice to adjust their lives for a fulfilling relationship and the ability to choose what you want to do with your life defines women's liberation. I don't want to come across as having any kind of like internal misogyny, but I feel like Hester, more than other characters, chooses to keep her original identity as a conductor and invite in her new identity as a wife. Now, I'm sorry, I know that is a half spoiler, but she does get married earlier in the story. So I think if you want to learn more about this period in history and read a satisfying, wish-fulfilling romance, definitely pick up Indigo. Uh, So my rating is a rock-hard A+. This has been Becky Feldman with Too Stupid to Live slash Too Smart to Die. Have a great rest of your day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello. My name is Nancy Mello, and I am the Creature Preacher. And I'm going to tell you what your animal has been trying to say. Nancy, I am freaking out right now because I did not share any of this information. <laughs> and you are spot on all this stuff. Who am I going to be talking to for you today? Jonathan the Giant Tortoise, who is the oldest known living land animal in the world. Creature Preacher from Rococo Punch.